Welcome to the Grove Community Church Sermon Podcast. We're a faith community seeking to change lives, change our community, and change the world. And now to this week's message. We hope you enjoy it. There's a scene in The Lion King where Mufasa takes Simba, young Simba, up on Pride Rock and he's overlooking all of the pride lands. And he says, son, all that you see is yours where the light touches. Everything where the light is, this is part of our kingdom. But the dark, that's not ours. And we don't go there. It's New Orleans, is that what you said? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's good. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, that's the place that we don't go. That's, that's not our kingdom. That's some other realm that doesn't belong to us, and it's dangerous. <laughs> and yes, that, every part of that describes New Orleans. <laughs> now I'm never going to be able to unhear that, Jonathan. <laughs> Because there was evil in the dark place, and because Mufasa and Simba's kingdom was limited. Today we're going to revisit the scripture from last week, and we're going to kind of drill down into these ideas about who Jesus was according to Hebrews 1. Last week we started and we kind of looked at Hebrews 1, 1 through 4, kind of as an overarching idea, but now we're going to drill down into each of the seven different things that Hebrews 1 attributes to Jesus. So last week we started off and we spent a lot of time on this idea of how God spoke and that at one point he spoke through this mosaic of of interactions that he had with his people and through this mosaic of different prophets, but none of them had the whole picture and much like a mosaic, it was kind of a, a chunky, not, not completely uh, put together picture of God and his truth. But in the last days, in the last of the age, the sun came. And this sun was the final revelation of God. It was the whole picture of God. It wasn't some pieced together picture. It was, it was the full picture of God in the flesh. Anybody in here fans of, um, of Jim Carrey? You're thinking, where are we going with this? I promise it's not Fireman Bill. Although, that would be fun. <clears throat> yes, I am dating myself. No one knows who Fireman Bill is. <laughs> There's some other ones that would be bad, too. But anyway, in one of his movies, uh, it's, a, it's a movie... Um, about a man who is living in a bubble and he doesn't even realize it. Have you seen the Truman Show? In the Truman Show, he comes across this extra who he falls in love with, but it's not part of the script. See, his whole life is scripted, and he doesn't realize that his whole life is scripted, and it's this experiment that's being filmed 24-7, and it is Truman, Jim Carrey's character, And he's interacting with these same people all the time, and he doesn't realize that they're not real, that they're all actors, and he's the only one who thinks it's real life. And so 
He meets this girl, and he's not supposed to fall in love with her. They have scripted another person for him to fall in love with, but of course he falls in love with this extra that he's not supposed to fall in love with. And they kick her out of his universe, out of his bubble. But he keeps searching for her, and he, he starts going through magazines and tearing out pictures in the magazine. One picture of the magazine is a, is, a, is a set of eyes, and then another one is lips, and then another one is ears, and then another one is the nose, and then another one is the hair. And he piecemeals this mosaic together of this girl that he fell in love with that is no longer in his world. It's a far cry from the real thing. And it's not really her, it just looks like her. It's sort of like her. Well, that's what the prophets were. They were sort of, the, sort of the revelation of God in that they were not the full in-person revelation. They were, they were an image that wasn't complete. But when Jesus showed up, he was the real thing. He was like this extra in the Truman Show when she shows up and she's the real thing. Flesh and bones. And so Jesus was the final revelation, the final word. And not just Jesus in him in himself it was all he did and all he taught it was the person and works of jesus it was the whole package that whole package of jesus was what god wanted us to understand about us and about god himself jesus is the link that connects us to god god's revelation of here's who you are and here's who i am and here's how i want to be in relationship with you came in the person and the works of jesus and so he follows that up with seven statements about Jesus that give us an idea of who he was and who he is and what it means for us. So the first, of, the first two of these statements are what we're going to look at today, and it's in, chat, in verse 2. But in these last days, it says, he has spoken to us by his son. The real thing has shown up. Then he uses two phrases, whom he appointed the heir of all things and through whom also he created the world. Now, those two things are full of theological import. They are, they are um, really deep. They have a clear surface meaning, but they get really deep into who the person of God is and who we are and how we are to be in relationship with Him. might not seem like that, but let's pick this apart some. But in those last days, He has spoken to us by Jesus. So who was Jesus? He was the appointed heir of all things. Now, this word for appointment means someone who's been put in place, someone who has been selected specifically to do a specific job. He is appointed. And what is he appointed as? The heir of all things. So, in Hebrews, the book that this comes from, this idea of being heir spills over not only to Jesus, but to his followers. We're co-heirs with Jesus. So Jesus is the heir, and we just happen to be co-heirs. He's the big brother, we're the little brothers. But what does it mean for him to be heir of all things? And why does he start here and then go backwards to creation? See, if I'm writing this, the order would probably be Jesus whom created the world and who is appointed the heir of all things. You get the beginning and the end there, right? But he's flopped it around. He starts with the end 
and then goes back to the beginning. Now, there's a couple of reasons for this. One that's called a chiasm. He's using this because the last phrase in verse 4 that uh, describes Jesus talks about him being an heir. So it's a bookend. So what that means is it's important. When you see this structure, it means that him being heir is important. It's the thing that he begins with and the thing that he ends with, this idea of Jesus being the heir. An heir in their, in their culture meant that you took on everything of the father, that there was no differentiation between the heir and the father. In fact, the heir now becomes the CEO and the owner-operator of this whole thing. So the father has appointed his son, owner-operator, CEO. Everything falls under him. Absolutely everything. He is the one in charge. And what is he in charge of? All things. Now, again, in Hebrews, the book, that has a specific meaning. It, it really means that he is the heir of both spatial and temporal things. He is the heir of all things spiritual and unseen. He is the heir of this world and our life and what we experience as life in this world. But he is also heir of the world to come, this new age that is coming. And we'll get there in a minute. So Jesus is heir of all of that. Now, this should ring a bell with you. He talks about this at the end of Matthew, right? That he's going back to the Father and that all power and authority in heaven and on earth is going to be given to him. And then he goes and he tells his disciples what to do because all authority in heaven and earth has been given to him. So this idea in Hebrews is that he is the God, he is the heir over everything. So it's not like Jesus is just some sort of bureaucrat. That's important for us to know. Jesus just isn't an errand boy. He didn't just show up to do the bidding of the Father. He's not just some lackey who does whatever he's told to do. He's not, he's, he's not even a great admin assistant. That's not who Jesus is. Jesus is heir, and as heir, he is over everything now. That means that there is no place, no situation, no time, nothing in this world or the world to come that doesn't belong to the kingdom of Jesus. So if the Father is on Pride Rock with Jesus and he's looking out over the Pride Lands, he doesn't say your kingdom is everything that the light touches. He says your kingdom is everything, period. You have all of it. You are Lord over even the dark stuff. That doesn't mean he causes the dark stuff. It doesn't mean that he shows up in the dark areas. It means that he is still God even in those places. He is still the one in charge. He is still the one in power. So no matter what we're going through, light or dark, good or bad, no matter where we are in our life, no matter where we are physically, spiritually, emotionally, he is there. And he is the heir of all of it. There is nothing that doesn't belong to Jesus. 
Guys, do you realize the implications of that for us? That means every aspect of your life. That means every situation you find yourself in. He is the heir of all. And over and over and over and over again, actually I think it's six times in Hebrews, this notion comes up that not only is he heir over everything, but we are his co-heirs, which means we are in, we're in this kingdom with him. Our kingdom might not be of this world, but we are part of what he's doing here on earth. That he takes us up on Pride Rock along with Jesus and he says, all of this belongs to us. We all have responsibility over this. Which means then that as co-heirs with Christ, we should be stepping into this responsibility of making light, taking light, being light. He is heir of all things. But not only is he the heir of all things, it was through him also he created the world. And that's not how that should be translated. It should say through him also he created the worlds, plural. And it could also mean, it's the word aeon or eon, could be translated through whom he also created all the ages. Now again, we see both spatial and temporal. It is this, it is this time and space. He is the one who created everything. Everything falls under his purview. Not just one part of history, all of history. Not just the earth, but all of the universe and all that it holds. He created literally everything, and He is the creator of all of history and all of the ages and the age to come. So in Hebrews, He's looking forward to a new world and a new time and a new age, right? So in Hebrews, we have this idea that Jesus then is not only the heir of all things, but he created all things. He is the end and he is the beginning, or he is the beginning and he is the end. He is the bookends and there is nothing that exists outside of him. There is nothing on either side of it. He is the full beginning and the full end. And everything in between, he rules over and he created Again, it doesn't mean he creates evil. He doesn't create the bad things that happen in your life. I don't think that that God ever looks and says, oh, I need you in heaven with me, so I'm going to take you to be with me. That's not how that works. He is God over everything. And whether we find ourselves in good situations or bad, in, in sickness or in health, for richer, for poorer, he is with us. And because he created everything, he has power over everything. So not only is he heir, but he is creator. Not only is he creator, but he's heir. Everything. All the ages. There is no point in history, and there is no point in your history, that he's not the creator of.
Again, I'm not saying that he made you made bad decisions. I've made plenty of them. He didn't make me do those. I'm not saying that God makes evil happen. What I'm saying is even in the bad decisions and even in the bad, he is Lord. And he is still over it. And he can redeem it. And he can make it right. And he can set the light over it. And he can change lives forever. This is a powerful statement. It gets at this idea that we have a God who is intimately connected to us. That he showed up as a person. That he's the good creator and the good heir. The one that loves and protects. The one who has power to overcome. The one who has the power to take your darkness and change it into light. He's the one who, who, even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we will fear no evil because he is with us. He is heir and he is creator. Now what's interesting is these themes show up in a couple of other places. And one of those places is Psalms 2, but another place is Genesis 17. And in Genesis 17, 5 and 6, God shows up to Abraham, and he says, I'm changing your name from Abram to Abraham because you're going to be the father of all of these nations, and through you I'm going to create a kingdom, and that kingdom is going to last forever. He goes on to tell David. We have this Abrahamic covenant that God makes with Abram, turns his name to Abraham. And he says that starting with you, there's going to be a new salvation history. I'm going to show up and I'm going to save this people. And so it is with very um, conscientious use of language that Hebrews taps into that same language right here in these two, ver or in this verse, in these two segments of the verse, where he's saying that Jesus is the new Abraham. He is creating a new salvific era. He is heir over everything, and from him, all things are going to come to fruition. Through him, all things are going to be made whole. And so Hebrews wants its readers, the author of Hebrews wants its readers to realize that even the Old Testament, as it has now been taken over into the person and the works of Jesus, it taps into this idea that God is doing something new. And this new thing is he is changing the world through his son. His son is the CEO and the heir. He is the owner-operator of all of this. So then the question comes down to you. Are you willing to trust the creator and the heir? Because that's really what it's about, right? Are you willing to trust the creator and the heir? If he really is over all things, are you willing to trust him? I mean, it's your decision. But he's doing this work with or without you. He is God even if you admit it or don't admit it. He is the one over all even if you don't let him lord over all of your life. He is still over it. So we can either get in sync with that or we can keep kicking against the cattle prod and hurting ourselves. We can keep running our head into the wall thinking that we're going to bust through and make a difference on our own. 
The question is, are you willing to trust the one who's creator and heir? Because we have that choice every single day. Am I going to submit? Am I going to allow him to do whatever he wants to? Am I going to create room for him to do? We sang about it, to do whatever he wants to. Because you can know this stuff. You can understand that he is creator and heir, but until you submit, it's just knowledge. Paul says, even the demons know this stuff. So just because you know doesn't mean you submit. So will you? Will you trust the creator and the heir? Now Hebrews is written to a group of people who are going through oppression and persecution. It was real easy to abandon Jesus. Someone put a gun to your head and said, do you really believe in Jesus? If you do, you're going to go meet him right now. It's kind of what was going on. And the author of Hebrews is saying, even in your persecution, are you willing to trust the creator and the heir? Even if it means it costs you your life, are you willing to trust the creator and the heir? Because if he is the creator and heir, not only of this stuff, of this life, of this flesh and bones, but if he is the creator and heir of the other age and the other world to come, if he is the creator of all dimensions, all worlds, whatever, are you willing to trust him that when this is done and when this is old and when this is rotting or when this is put to death, that he is God over everything, even the things we can't see and we don't understand, even the next part of what this existence looks like? Am I willing to trust that? And that was what he was saying to the Hebrews. Or that's what the author was saying in Hebrews to the people who received this letter. And I think it's our message too. Are you willing to trust the creator and the heir? Because it's just not about here and now. So he's invited us up on Pride Rock. But our God is saying, I'm God over all of it. All that the light touches and all that is dark, I'm over it. Will you trust me? We hope you found this week's message meaningful and impactful. And as always, don't just hear it, but put it into practice. Until next time, have a good one.